Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joy Harvest Fellowship's podcast out of Lima, Ohio. Today, Pastor Michael Wyckoff has a sermon entitled, The Secret of the Kingdom of God. Let's join him as he gets underway. We've been talking about the secret of the kingdom, and today I'm going to give you the heart of the message, the heart of the teaching, if you will. And um, it's based on the name, Secret of the Kingdom, because Jesus said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So that's why this is called the secret of the kingdom. Jesus called it that. And everything he said after this was a description or an explanation of what the secret is. And I'm going to give you, again, like I said, the core of it. I've, I've given it to you all along, but uh, this, this today probably is as important a message that I consider as important as any message that I, that I can give because everything rides on this secret. Everything that we want to do, everything that we want to be, everything that we want to become, everything that we need from God is based on knowing the secret. Now, there are some things that God gives us that we receive without praying for it, without reading the word about it. I mean, God has blessed us with, with so many things, but he's given us, it's like everything else in the kingdom. Some things are all God. Some things God's going to do or not going to do, like the coming of Jesus, right? There's nothing that we can do to, uh, you know, to stop it. Whether we believe it's going to happen or not, doesn't matter. Jesus is coming back. That's a given. But there are things that we are a factor, where we're a factor. Uh, and one of those things, frankly, is healing. And I'm going to use healing today as an example, but when I talk about the secret of the kingdom, I'm not just talking about healing. I'm using it as an example. But whether it's, the, it's salvation, whether it's emotional well-being, financial well-being, whatever it is, even power in ministry, I believe that those giants of the faith that have achieved a level of anointing, certainly it's based on calling, certainly it's based on assignments, for sure, okay? Um, but the degree to which we succeed in our calling depends on our knowledge and applying the secret of the kingdom. So I'm going to explain what the secret is, okay? Sounds like a, a club, you know, or a, a, a secret society, you know, the secret, okay? But really, it is, that's why I use that little PowerPoint design, what unlocks the kingdom of God? Jesus tells us in the parable of the sower, as we have been saying for the last few weeks, and he tells us what makes it happen in your life and what stops it from happening, okay? Um, and, and also the things that I'm giving you, I didn't just pick up this last week. I've, for years, I've been looking at this, and I don't say that my knowledge on this topic is the end all, end all. There's a lot of things that I don't know, a lot of things you don't know. You know, we know in part and we see things in part, but this is something that really through um, observation, decades of study, literally, on my part, um, through testimonies, through seeing other people, hearing what they're doing, hearing what they're praying, what they're getting, what they're not, why they're getting it, why they're not. Um, I, I, I've just been interested in this particular topic 
not only because it's just so central, but it's just so, I don't know. Well, I guess it is. It's just, it's just so fundamental to our, what we'll call success. Um, and my experience too, trial and error. And not that you're inexperienced, not that you don't know about this, but I'm hoping that what I say this morning will, will increase your faith and increase your, pro, your, your productivity in, in the things of God and the things of the kingdom. You know, one thing, I, I mentioned the word testimonies that I've heard down through the years. And I love hearing these, these healing testimonies, you know, a baby that was dead in the womb and was born alive and, and you know, um, you know, a child that gets this disease and it's fatal 100% of the time and the child lives, you know, or, you know, a child that's deaf and starts, you know, you, you just, on different shows, you know, we, we hear these testimonies. What's the one common denominator in all of these? If you think about it, um, you know, the a condition comes up or, you know, the husband gets a growth or, you know, the woman gets a cancer, whatever, and they're miraculously healed. The one common denominator that you see in this is that they immerse themselves in the Word of God. Everything else is put aside because this is an emergency. If we don't do this thing, we're going to die or we're gonna, our child's going to die, okay? Or I'm going to die or my wife's going to die or my husband's going to die. You always see that they, yeah, we got in the Word and, and, and also they had a a background in the Word of God as well. They didn't start necessarily from scratch in their faith, okay? You know, and we, we have things that happen in our life, and, and I've had miracles, you know, where I don't really basically have an ounce of faith, you know? It just, it happens, okay? But does that happen all the time? No, it does not. There's different ways to get healed, and, you know, hey, we go to the doctors, too. I go to the doctor. There's different things that we do, that we know that will happen. You know, the tangible anointing, the laying on of hands and so forth. But the one thing that we can count on, see, we can't count on all those necessarily. They can work in combination. You can pray the prayer of faith and people can lay hands on you. You can go to the doctor. You can have a combination of things. Thank God there's different ways to get healed. But the best way and the one way that you have the most control over is your immersion in the Word of God because in the end... It's faith, faith that heals. Faith saves, faith heals. How do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, okay? It's the word <clears throat> that does it. And, I want, and that's the secret of the kingdom, right there. And I want to talk about how you do that a little bit. Um, you know, Jesus talked about um, how things happen, uh, and I think it would help us if we just quickly go through the parable just one more time because it's, it's good to hear the repetition, all right? Jesus tells us that there's a, he gives us an agricultural illustration on how the kingdom will be released in our life, how you're going to get healed, how you're going to be prosperous if you're prosperous, if you're having financial issues, how are you going to get your emotional issues straightened out? Um, how are you going to get filled with the, with the Holy Spirit? You're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How's that going to happen? It happens through the Word, and he talks about seeds when he's talking about the Word. And he says, the farmer sows the Word, 
Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, this is a parable that he's using. It's Mark chapter 4. And what I'm quoting here uh, is from Mark chapter 4, and there are some insertions from Matthew 13 and Luke 8. Okay? But most of the text that you're hearing right now comes from Mark. Okay? And then he goes on to say, and then there's others, like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word at once and receive it with joy. They believe for a while, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because God wants to teach you a lesson and make you a better Christian by making you suffer. Did he say that? No. Why does trouble or persecution come? Because of the word. The devil wants to knock the word out of your life. Because when the word is out of your life, he will defeat you. With the word in your life, you will win. Because of the word, in the time of testing, though, they quickly fall away. Oh, you know, I'm just going to give up. You know, this doesn't work. You know, it, 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 it doesn't always work instantly because the word is a seed. It grows little and becomes bigger. And we become impatient. And we give up. And we talked about that. And then Jesus said, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries. Worry will choke the word from your life and make it non-productive. The deceitfulness of wealth, not wealth, the deceitfulness of it. The riches and pleasures and desires for other things which choke the word, making it unfruitful, and they do not mature. And we talked about that last week. Then he says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, understand it, accept it, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Those are all important. You have to hear it. Okay, You have to understand it. You have to accept it. You have to retain it and persevere in it before you'll get a crop. Okay? Now, he says, you also may get it 30-fold. You might get it 60-fold. And some 100 times you might get it. Well, it's up to God how much I get. No, it's not. Not according to Jesus. The degree to which you receive the kingdom in your life is up to us because you know why? After these verses, he's coaching you on how to get the hundredfold. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. You see, the kingdom can come to you by degrees. All right? And the secret of the kingdom, if applied enough, will give you the hundredfold. So, um, the parable of the sower explains why we are saved or not saved. It explains why people are healed or not healed, why you are either healed or not healed. Now, there's sub-reasons, but they're under the categories. The reason is in all those obstacles that I gave you. The hard heart, the rocky heart, or the thorny heart. There are thorns in your life concerning healing, perhaps. There could be some rocky soil. There's no persevering. The seed withers out because of persecution. 
You started meditating on the word and all of a sudden your symptoms got worse. And it's like, oh, forget it, you know. You're just wallowing in it. And symptoms can persist and get worse sometimes because Satan knows, uh uh-oh, she's getting on the word of God now. I got to get her out of it because it's easier to pull out a seedling than it is to pull out even a four or five foot maple seedling. Have you ever tried that? See? So he teaches us how to overcome the obstacles. Now, let's get into the secret. Let's get into what he says here will give us the hundredfold, okay? And this is where he says, the word of God is like a lamp, okay? Remember the word of God, he says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. And I got this part out of Luke 8, chapter Chapter 8, verses 16 to 18, he says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in the clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. God's word is a lamp, right, to my feet and a light to my path. Isn't that what it says somewhere in Psalm 119? I didn't look it up. I just had it memorized, right? The word must be placed in a prominent place in your life. That's what he's saying. The room of your life. What's got to be in the middle of the room of your life? The word of God. Some people, it's their job. To some people, it's their uh, something else. Good things. We talked about that last week now, didn't we? But the word has to be front and center. The word must be prominent in your life in terms of time and focus. So pay attention to what you hear. He says, um, he says that in the next verse, but and I'll get to that. Let me first read the second sentence here. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. What he's saying here is, look, this is meant to be understood. It's not meant to be a mystery. Now, I'm giving it to you in mysterious terms, but you know, y'all, you've got to dig and you've got to open your heart and start being so hard-hearted and start focusing. That's what he's saying. That's why I'm giving it to you in parables so you make you run after it. Because if I give it to you, it's just going to go in one spiritual ear and out the other. He's not trying to be difficult. He's not hiding the word from us. He's hiding the word for us. And it is hidden. And it is hard to understand certain parts of it. But when you dig... And when you pursue, and when you press in, not only will you learn it, but you'll keep it because you had to dig for it. I think that's part of the reason anyway. Now the next verse he says here, um, therefore, we talked about this last week, consider carefully what you hear and how you listen. In other words, pay attention to your posture, how you listen. Pay attention to your attitude when the word of God is spoken. When you're reading it and when you're hearing it, don't sit there and let your thoughts drift off. Remember, how are the Bengals? That's what my problem. I would think about the Bengals. Hey, they're playing Dallas today. Seriously, I'm in the middle, you know, and I'm hearing a great sermon from my pastor. And my mind just, you're, you know, our minds are out of control half the time. You got you to gotta rein it in, man. You really do. So be careful with that. Pay attention to that. That's what he's saying here. And he says, pay attention to what you hear. You know, there's other voices. Remember last week, 
uh, I said, this is so true. A lot of times we say, well, I don't hear from God, or I don't understand things from God. It, it's not so much that you're not hearing from God, or you don't understand things from God. The problem is not that. The problem is your willingness to hear other voices and other things than the Word of God. Because then what's happening is they become thorns and they compete in your heart for your affections. Now, it's fine to read emails. It's fine to do little Facebook. You know, it's fine to do a lot of things that we do. But when it gets down to, uh, when it gets down to the Word of God, numero uno, okay? Numero uno. Okay, so what we have here is, uh, in the next verse, he says, now this is the secret, this is it, pay attention. The measure, this is the secret, the measure of thought and study you give, now this is what I'm giving you, is, what I'm giving you here is the amplified, the amplified version, okay? You can get it in the King James if you want. But he says, the measure of thought and study you give, this is from the Amplified, to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and even more. Besides, will be given to you. In other words, you'll get more. You, get, you put in a little bit, you get a little bit back. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, remember? It's measurable. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. It works in reverse. It's a law of attraction. Did you know that your heart becomes hard to things you neglect? And your heart becomes soft to the things that you pay attention to. Did you know that? The more... I look at, and I, we all have our problems. We all have our distractions, okay? And sports is one thing that just through the years, it ebbs and flows as far as the competition against the Word of God. But, you know, when I start, like, you know, if I'm the fan of a, if I know the batting averages of everybody on the Reds, okay, and wondering why I'm having problems in my faith, okay, I don't have to go very far to find out what the problem is. And I want to look at, you know, whatever, or the, the stock, you know, stocks or whatever. And if I start knowing this stuff, okay, is there any sin in that? No, it's not sinful. Batting averages aren't sinful. Stocks aren't sinful. But boy, when I know them and I want to see them, in the morning and I wake up and the first thought is, yeah, I wonder what the price of gold is or I wonder what, you know, what happened yesterday in such and such a game, all right? There's a problem because it's competing with my heart. It's competing for my heart. See, my heart is attracted to what I focus on. If you stop focusing on something, okay, your heart will, in a good way, start becoming cold to baseball, let's say. I'm not really interested in the batting averages of the Reds, okay? But I'm just, that's what came to my mind, all right? If I just, just starve myself from it over time, I won't be attracted to it anymore. You know, I heard one preacher say, I think it was Bill Johnson, he said, you know, if you want to get hungry, start eating more of it. If you want to get hungry for the Word, start eating it more, and your hunger will grow, 
That's one good thing. Usually, you know, the good thing is don't eat that stuff, you know, because it's bad for you. But if you want to get more hungry for the kingdom of God, start concentrating on the kingdom of God. And if you're having temptations, the reason why you're having temptations a lot of times is you're thinking about it. You know, adultery, for instance. I heard this the other day. Adultery. Adultery doesn't start with the act. Adultery starts up here. And if you keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it, you know what's going to happen? Your body is going to go there. You're going to do it, you see. So your heart becomes hard to the things you neglect and your heart becomes soft toward the things you pay attention to. Amen? The more word you get in your heart, and, and by the way, not your head. I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about down here, right? Uh, the more kingdom results you will get. And you'll get, actually, he's saying you're going to get disproportionate gain. Just a little bit will go a long way. A little more will go longer. That's really what he's saying. But the same is in reverse. Just a little bit of neglect can really get you on a downward path a lot quicker. Amen? So, all right. So dedicated meditation in the Word of God produces revelation in the heart. It starts with knowledge in your head. But you know, you can know something in your head and not have it in your heart, and it won't do you any good. You can believe in divine healing in your head and die of a broken toenail, so to speak. You can. And this is the secret of the kingdom, immersing ourselves in the word continually, daily, persevering in it, regardless of contrary symptoms, evidence, and circumstances. And we see verses throughout the Bible that testify to this. You know, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Um, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. And if you're, you know, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Um, God wants you healed. He wants you to have everything that's available in the kingdom. Everything in heaven, he wants you to have here on earth. No matter what it is, he wants heaven on earth. And you know what? It'll, you think it's, oh my, but that's just so hard. You know, it's so much work. Well, you know what's hard and we know it's work? Going to the hospital or putting up with the emotional strain because your mind is out of control. That's hard, okay? But you know what? He makes it easy because the more your faith in the word grows, the more rest you have. You know, I like the teaching. I've been hearing some teachings through the years. They come and go that you can fight from a position of rest. Did you know that? He talked, the Hebrews talks about this in chapter 4. They that believe do enter into rest. Let us labor to enter into rest. Those are oxymorons, aren't they? But the whole kingdom of God's an oxymoron. You know, you have to, you know, you, to increase, you have to decrease, right? To, to, to get more, you have to give away more. I mean, you know, there's so many paradoxes in the kingdom, and this is one of them. In order to get into rest, you have to labor. What's the labor we're talking about? It's focus, it's concentration, it's doing what he's talking about right here. It's doing this and doing it as a lifestyle. God's going to help you. And you know, he's given us, and just while we're on the topic of healing, he gives us 
lots of ways to get healed. I mean, we have medical science and doctors. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. I go to them, okay? There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. But there's everything in the world wrong when that's your only hope, your only faith. That's when it becomes a problem. Uh, but we have, um, in fact, we have several. I think I listed them here. Um, medical science and doctors. You can pray the prayer of faith. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, right? And then we have laying on of hands. In my name, believers will lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's another way. You have what's called gifts of healings. Now, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, lists different manifestations of the Spirit that occur as the Spirit wills. And the Spirit wills to do it. But when and how is, we don't know. But there are manifestations. You can go to a meeting where those gifts are in operation. Usually it's in, a, in an assembled meeting. And bam, I'm healed of terminal cancer. I didn't pray. I didn't have any faith. The Holy Spirit just went, did it. See, that's hap that happened with uh, and by the way, with Jesus, that didn't always happen. He did not heal that way all the time. He did with the man who was by the pool, who couldn't get in by himself. That was a manifestation of the Spirit. The guy had no faith. He didn't ask Jesus. Jesus went to him. Did you know that that time and maybe one other time in the New Testament when Jesus, just on his own, went to somebody and healed him? All the other times, somebody came to him, and then he did something. Okay, So you can't count on that. You can't count on someone necessarily laying their hands on you. You can't count. You can pray the prayer of faith, okay? And you can go to the medical, you know, to the doctors, okay? Here's another one that you really can't always count on, this tangible anointing. You know, sometimes, and every now and then, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, either someone praying for you or somebody else where you felt something go out of you. That, you know, you felt power going out of you. Virtue, it's called in the King James. That's the tangible anointing. The woman with the issue of blood, tried to touch the garment of Jesus, right? The prayer shawl. And she touched it, and Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Why? Because he felt power go out of him. See, Now, that doesn't always happen for all healings. Some healings happen where there's no tangible anointing, but sometimes there is, right? And then we have sanctification. Did you know that some people are sick because they have unforgiveness, bitterness, Hatred, and it's a proven fact, they've done studies on this, that 87% of doctor appointments are sourced in taught what they call toxic emotional thinking. In other words, they didn't break a leg, uh, they didn't go out and catch cold, um, you know, they're there, they're having stomach issues because it's rooted in because, let's say, mama abused him or something of that nature, or there's an un unforgiveness, bitterness, some emotional issue that caused that doctor, but 87, I think this was in the Merck manual, 87% of all doctor appointments are based in what they call toxic emotion. The way, you, the way people think, the way they've been brought up to think, and their emotions, and it doesn't happen overnight, but over years and years of bitterness and unforgiveness, they have clinically proven 
how that will deteriorate your, the lining of your arteries, the hardening of the arteries, and so forth. I mean, they've, they've linked a lot of them, a lot of diseases, to emotions. And how your thinking triggers the certain glands to secrete harmful overdoses of adrenaline and cortisol won't happen overnight, but after 15 years of it, people die, you see. Your emotions can kill you. But the number one way is faith in God's Word. Now, there's some in here that you can't control, and there are a few in here that you can control. The ones you can control, you can do the prayer of faith for yourself. All right? Uh, you know, you can't control the success or failure of the doctor. I mean, assuming you take the prescriptions, you do what he says. But there's no guarantee the doctor is going to help you or medical science is going to help you. Laying on of hands, somebody else has got to do that for you. You may or may not have that. Gifts of healings. You certainly, some people go to the meetings where other people get healed and you don't. You're, some people, that's their only hope. They go to, I, I need a miracle. I got to go to a Benny Hinn meeting. And that's good. I'm not knocking that. But do, why don't they all get healed? I don't know. But they don't. Some do, some don't. Tangible anointing, again, may happen, may not happen. All right? Now, sanctification, that's something that we have control over. But number two and number six are kind of under your control. And number seven is under your control. But until you do number seven, you can't do number two and number six. Really, number seven, that is the biggest, by far, most uh, successful that you can ever be is through number seven. In fact, more healings happen through number seven than all the others put together. You can't count on anything but number seven. Get number seven down, and you know what? One through six might happen a little bit more readily. The doctor might help you a little bit more. All right? Uh, gifts of healings might happen. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that number seven is you can control totally. And the majority of healings, I think those of you who have been around for a while will testify that most people get healed most of the time through faith in the Word of God. That's why Jesus gave us the parable of the sower. All right? Now, um, there's a lot of other reasons why charismatic, Pentecostal people who believe in healing don't get healed, and they get so puzzled. We just wonder, why, 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 why do I continue to have this issue, this healing, this, this long-term thing? And, and you know, I, I've talked about these before. I'm not going to spend time on it now. But this immersion into the sickness culture that we have, you know, and I, as many good things that I said about the medical profession, you know, our conversations, our focus, our insurance, our news, our, our doctor's appointments, the advertising, the medicines, we get buried in all that. And sooner or later, we're talking about it, we're concentrating on it. It's the secret of the kingdom in the wrong area on the physical medical profession. And I'm going to tell you, there's good and bad in there. Don't you agree? And we keep talking about our sicknesses and we keep, you know, reporting on them and we were concerned about insurance and we fill out forms and we talk about it and we see ads on, you know what? And we're trying to have faith in the Word of God when our attention is on all this stuff. Sometimes we can't help it. It's just coming at us. It's a mountain. 
And, it, and unconsciously, what does that do? It destroys our faith. It does. It goes a long way to destroying it if, if we let it. Okay? The other thing is that just because we, I said this before, just because we believe in divine healing means that we have faith to receive divine healing. It's not true. And a lot of Pentecostal people think that. Theolo it's in their theology. Well, I believe in healing. Well, that's fine. I believe in Adolf Hitler. Okay? I believe in, well, I believe in, you know, here people say, I believe in Jesus. Well, okay. What does I believe in Jesus mean? A lot of people who don't want to go any further, okay, are saying, yeah, I believe Jesus existed as a man, but that doesn't save them. No. How does it save them? They hear the word about his sacrifice on the cross, they receive it, they retain it, it gets to their heart, and they respond, sometimes instantly, and they get saved, born again, eternal life, right? Others resist it. But it's the same thing with Pentecostals, people that believe in divine healing, believing Christians, bless our hearts. We, we say, well, I believe in healing, why am I not getting healing? Because you know what, you really don't believe it. You believe it up here, but you don't believe it down here. You've got to get it down here. I'm going to tell you before I close how, to, how you do that. All right? Head knowledge is not revelation knowledge or heart knowledge. And this is one of the biggest misconceptions in the church. Most people who profess divine healing do so out of head knowledge and they will not heal you. Faith is of the heart and not the head. All right? Um, and it's with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But not knowing the secret of the kingdom will keep you sick. And you're a Christian. You're born again. You're going to heaven. God loves you. You're the righteousness of God, and you will remain sick because you are not applying the secret of the kingdom with your, with your body. Okay? So, what do you do about it? I'm so glad you asked. So glad you asked. Alrighty, and I don't know why this came out in this font. Sorry about that. <laughs> You'll have to read it here. Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the Torah, the Bible, the law, on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that, so that you will take care to act according to everything written in it then you will prosper, and then you'll succeed. Then your undertakings will prosper. Then you will succeed, all right? I love the word so that. You know, you can't really acquire the character of Jesus until you meditate in the word. You cannot acquire the provision of God and experience the promises of God until you meditate on the word, you cannot acquire the ability of God in ministry until you meditate on the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. Meditation determines your faith level in any area. The more meditation in the Word, okay, the greater your faith. You don't have a faith problem. Oh, I just don't have enough faith to get healed. So faith's my problem. No, faith is not your problem. What we consider a faith problem is a word problem. Because how do you get faith? You get faith from the word of God. 
You don't have a faith problem. You have a word problem. And that's something you can do about it, you see. If you need any faith in any area, meditate on scriptures that cover that area. If you need healing, go to healing scriptures. Okay? Then you will get healed. People get saved because they hear salvation, eternal life scriptures, <laughs> essentially. Why do Baptist churches get so many people saved? Because they, that's what they preach over and over again. They preach the gospel of salvation. Some churches have a lot of healthy people because they keep talking about healing. Some people get people filled with the Holy Spirit easier than other churches do. Why? Because they talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, meditation takes the words, the truths of God's word, and they make them real in your life. And I like the word realize, actually. You realize the promises of God, the kingdom of God, the supernatural things of God. You realize them in your life. And it literally means to make real. You see, it changes your heart attitude from uh-huh to aha. We're more uh-huh when we hear about healing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I believe that. And you're still sick. But when you get the message of healing from up here, by meditating on the Word of God about healing, it'll sink down here and you'll say, yes, now I believe it down here. And the first time that happened to me, it shocked me. I know some of you have heard this testimony before, but I came home from work one day really, really sick with hives all over, just red blotches, itching, scratching, and I was a mess. I was just a real mess. And I remember reading a book by Kenneth Hagin called... Um, uh, God's medicine. And it was based on Proverbs 4, uh, chapter 20, verse 20 through 22, where it says, My son, listen closely to my words. Pay attention to what I say. You know, uh, Just listen intently, for my words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Health means, um, was actually medicine to all their flesh in the Hebrew. And he was talking about meditating, and there's this little book that had healing scriptures at the end. And I remember coming home on a very hot day, miserable, scratching, you know, reading this little book, and lying down on the couch, you know, just scratching. And um, I just remember after about two hours of reading those scriptures, it was a shock. It was a real shock because I, I mean, just like in an instant, in a flash, I got it. And I had been teaching about healing. Oh, it's God's will to heal you. And, and look at this scripture. Look at that scripture. But for the first time, I knew the difference between mental assent and revelation knowledge. It was in here. And I got up and I said, hallelujah, praise God. And I'm just like, man, I'm a happy, happy, happy believer. I said, I'm healed. I am, I am healed. I believed it. I, and I was shocked that I believed it because the symptoms got worse. Remember, trouble and affliction arise because of the word's sake. The itches got worse. I got worse, but I was saying, thank God I'm healed. Oh, yes, I'm healed, I'm healed. Oh, yeah, man, I was just so excited jumping up and down. I was by myself, you know. And my wife came home, and I told her, Blair, I'm healed, and this is just so fantastic. And she's looking at me and looking at my symptoms. and like, what has happened to you, you know? 
And um, a little later, you know, she thought, you know, you want to go to Walgreens and maybe get something for that? And I thought, and I stopped and I thought, yeah, maybe I better go. But then just, it, it came up, it rose up. No, you are healed. And I, and I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm well from this thing. I am well. And in 30 seconds, all symptoms were all gone. Okay? Just instantly. 30 seconds. That was a lesson that I will never, ever forget. The difference between knowing something up here and having it as your theology, mental ascent, and revelation knowledge. How do you get it from here to here? Meditating in the Word of God. Meditating in the Word of God. So what I want to do here, the next couple few slides, is let me show you. Uh, this, this, is, this is what I wanted to show you here. This is how you meditate. <laughs> All right. Remember Joshua 1.8, he said, do not stop speaking the word of God. Okay? He said, basically, keep this book of the law on your lips. The King James Version says, do not let this word depart from your mouth. What he's saying is, don't stop speaking the word of God. Keep speaking the word of God. That's what this is saying. And if you look up the word meditate in Hebrew, you know what it means? It means to mutter. It means to mumble, to mutter. There's, in fact, there's two words. I did a study on this. There's two words used for meditation. They both mean the same thing. Look them up in the concordance. It means to speak. Biblical meditation is verbal. It is not silent. Most Christians think that Bible study and internalizing the Word of God, which is partially true, is by reading and memorizing. But if it's up here, it's not going to do you any good. There are people that believe, that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins and do not have eternal life. And that's the reason why you are continuing to be sick and I'm continuing to have problems at times because I believe it's true that God heals, but it's not working. And the reason is because it's one of the reasons why Je you know, Jesus gave us the reasons earlier. And to overcome those things, he's telling us to do this, to meditate, to meditate. And you keep meditating until you get your answer. You see? It's a, now, it is possible to have faith and unbelief side by side. You can have both. Well, how can that be, Mike? I'll show you. Remember the guy whose son was, uh, the, the, the disciples failed to cast out the demons? And Jesus said, well, if you, have, if, you, you know, if you have faith and believe, he goes, Lord, I believe. Remember the father? Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. How can Jesus didn't say, well, no, wait a minute, either you believe or you don't believe. No, no, you can have them there at the same time, you see. And meditation will get rid of that unbelief. You see, your spirit believes, your soul does not. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinking patterns. And, you know, and sometimes it takes a lot of meditation before that mountain is removed. 
It doesn't happen overnight because sometimes you can get saved like this and sometimes people can get healed like this. But if it doesn't happen right away, it's because there's a lot of junk that's got to go away. And, it's got, and it can only be replaced by immersion in the Word of God. So how do I meditate verbally? Like physical food, okay, you have to digest the Word properly in your, in your heart before it can nourish you. You do that by speaking scriptures continually. See, God's promises are voice activated. They're not knowledge activated. It starts with knowledge, okay? Knowledge is good, but it can't stop there, all right? The word you know does not become real in your life until it is verbally spoken, and sometimes over and over and over again. I wish this was taught to me years ago. You don't hear that. You hear a lot of the faith preachers you know, talking about this, but this is true. This is very true. They, they talk about confession. But what, what is confession? It's meditating on the Word of God. If you confess scriptures and you speak them, that's the meditation the Bible's talking about. It's not Eastern religion. Hmm. See, that's... That's another kind of meditation. And by the way, there is a biblical equivalent of that. That's called contemplation. Write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, I think, the last chapter. And I want to teach on that again. I taught on that before. Some people got upset, but I'm going to teach it again. But we're talking here about biblical meditation in the Word of God. Now, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... Romans 10, 9, and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead. If you, how did you get saved? You spoke. I confess Jesus as my Lord. See, reality comes through the mouth. Now, you notice that picture I showed you? All right. This is an animal, a ruminant animal. Anybody know what a ruminant animal is? Cows, moo, right? Goats, uh, sheep. There's several. There's some. You farm people. You you know you're more agricultural than I'm. I'm a city boy. There's about four or five of them. Pigs? No, pigs aren't. Not Camels? That's right. All right. And uh, they're called ruminant animals. Ruminate. Ruminate is. Um, comes from the Latin ruminatio, okay? That means to meditate on the Word of God. But what do rumen animals do when they feed for their nourishment? They chew. And in fact, if you look up the word uh, ruminant, or ruminate, R-U-M-I-N-A-T-E, it has two meanings. Animals that chew the cud and meditation and musing and, and, and um, uh, what's the other word? I forget. There was three words. I'm, I don't know where I am. I'm not following my notes. But anyway, it means to meditate. Okay? And God gave us the ruminant animals to teach us how to meditate in the Word of God. Because what they do is they chew on their food. Okay, the word of God is food for your heart. It's food for your heart. And, but 
the thing is you can't eat. How many of you had a nice steak dinner, you cut up the steak, and you swallow it? What are you going to do? <coughs> You're going to choke it out, right? No, you've got to chew on your food. You've got to ruminate on your food. Okay, It's the same with the Word of God. The same principle follows here. How do you do that? By speaking it. And see, what happens here is that this fellow okay, has four stomachs. All right? So chews on it, and what do they do? They, they swallow the food, it goes down into stomach number one, and then they barf it right back up, and it goes back into their, into their mouth, and they chew it some more. It goes down into the stomach, goes right back up, and they chew it some more. Goes right back down again, and then it goes into stomach number two, stomach number three, stomach number four, and then it nourishes it. It gets its nourishment that way. You see, you got to chew on the Word of God before you digest it. We, we eat the tidbits, okay, and swallow them, and, and it goes right out. If you, if you swallow a piece of steak, it's going to go right through you. Correct? There's a lesson here. So by muttering scriptures to ourselves, we chew or mull over God's word. This is the spiritual digestion process. And unless we do that properly, it's not going to get into our hearts. Most Christians think it's reading the word. Most Christians think maybe, no, no, you've got to memorize the word. Good first step, okay? But really, it won't work until you digest the word. And you digest the word the Bible way, the Hebrew way. Hebraic biblical meditation is speaking the word over and over and over again. And see, it'll, that's how you get it from your head to your heart. See, with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, like I said, it can take a long time sometimes, but it says don't stop saying the word. You know, there's strongholds of bad teaching in us. There's years of bad thinking in us. There's mountains of unbelief sometimes in us. But like an iceberg, you keep chipping away at the ice. And you know, you can tell when you do it. You know, you're sick and you have symptoms and you're reading about how he took away our infirmities and he carried our diseases away. Okay, and I had this picture of him, you know, taking our, my sins and my sicknesses on his back, you know, and I started thinking these things. You can tell, you can, you can actually sense the progress that you're making. You can tell there's a change. You can tell the ice is beginning to melt. You can, you can, you're just chipping away at hard ice, okay? And now you all know what I mean with the ice, you know? You've got to scrape the car, you know, and you've got to knock the ice off, okay? You've got to shovel the snow. That's, that's really what happens during the process of meditating, okay? See, most Christians eat three hot meals a day, and their hearts, one cold snack a week, and wondering why they're so weak in faith and why they keep having symptoms. And there are a number of scriptures that, that say this explicitly here. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on the word every now and then, just when I feel like it, when I'm in a happy mood or when I hear pastor preach at church. No, day and night. Now, this is a good one. James, putting aside all filthiness and... Uh, and all that remains of wickedness in humanity, humility, excuse me, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now, he's, he's not talking about the new birth here. 
He's not talking about getting saved here. He's writing this to Christians. They're already spirit-filled Christians. What's he talking about? He's talking about the soul. He's talking about the mind. You see your spirit. The Greek has three words, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is a two-edged sword dividing asunder soul and spirit. They're two different things. See? Let's go out and witness and save souls. No, no, you're saving spirits, okay? But when you're saved and you have the new birth, your soul's not saved. You still have stinking thinking. You still have preconceptions about God still wanting to make you sick and, or whatever your problem might, might be. And what he's saying is, by humbly, and this is the secret of the kingdom right here, with humility, with an attitude, being careful what you hear, by putting the lamp in the middle of the room of your life. That's humility. Receive the word that's implanted. Planted, there's that word planting. There's that agricultural illustration again. The soil is your heart. The seed is the word. It's planted in you. Receive it, okay, with humility, and then it will save your soul, your thinking, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you'll begin to, remember I said there's faith there and there's unbelief at the same time? This is attacking the, the seat of unbelief, your soul, not your spirit. But prove yourselves doers of the word. This is the next verse. And not merely, uh, you know, delude yourself. If you're a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're like a man who looks like, now you're like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He's still talking about receiving humbly the word. And what he's saying is when you read the word, read it like you look at yourself in a mirror. You, you know, you're in front of the mirror and you're looking, you know, you'll know every blemish on your face. You're studying it. See? That, that, that's what he's talking about. Study the word like you look at yourself in the mirror. That's what he's saying. Because, see, if you don't, we go away, you read the word once a day, three or four verses, and you walk away, you, forget it. You're not going to keep it. No, you've got to spend the time. You've got to study. You've got to look carefully. But one who looks intently, see, he's talking about the word because he's talking about it here, at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having a forget, being a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Same principle. I'll close here. A couple more slides. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you will do well to pay attention. The word, he's talking about the word, prophetic word, but the word nonetheless Paying attention, there's the secret of the kingdom. Paying attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the morning star arises in your hearts. See, when, I, when it hit me that, I, that Jesus actually took away my sicknesses, I was so convinced you couldn't have beat it out of me with a baseball bat. I was so convinced I was healed, and yet I had all these symptoms, you see. The morning star dawned in my heart. That's what he's talking. He's talking about meditation here in this verse. And then we have my child, pay attention to what I say, listen carefully to my words, don't lose sight of them, let them penetrate deep in your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing, what, his, what does his words do? His words heal physically. Medicine, that's the word in Hebrew, healing to their whole body, medicine to their whole body. And finally, he sent his word 
and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. So let's remember this. He sent his word and healed us. We have to make it the main thing. It's not a hobby. Does that mean you have to become a monk in a monastery? No, it does not. But it is a lifestyle. And we've talked before about how you, you get the word in your life in your normal day. Let's remember this. You want healing? Go to the word. And if, you, if it's not working, double your dosage. Those were instructions for taking. You know the little bottle of that, uh, that you have? It says, take two times daily. Well, this is medicine you can't overdose on. If it ain't working, take three. If that's not working, take four. Four hours a day. Whatever it takes, God's medicine will work. Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. You know, you're such a good God. Sometimes we think, you, why am I sick? Why am I having this problem? Don't you care, God? Lord, you're so good. You have already healed us. And we know, Lord, because we haven't read your word, that your word is past tense. By his stripes, we have been healed. But Lord, that's great in the mind, but it doesn't register in the heart. But you told us how to get it there. You gave us the secret of the kingdom so that we would know through your word how to receive all things in the kingdom. Lord, it's a secret because not everybody knows it. It's a secret. It's revealed to us so plainly by Jesus. And we thank you for the word that we received, dear Father. And we appreciate it so much. Lord, as we now transition to communion, Lord, we remember the body and the blood of your son Jesus as the ratification of the new covenant. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you'd like more information on the church, please go to our website at www.joyharvest.org or you can look us up on Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.